This is An American Workplace, a podcast dedicated to rewatching and discussing NBC's beloved mockumentary series, The Office. My name is Katie White, and joining me as always is my good friend and co-host, Chad Hopkins. How are you doing, Chad? I'm doing okay. I'm hoping I don't sound too different, but uh, I, I feel like I sound way different, and I feel like I could talk way down here the whole time, and I'd probably feel more comfortable, <laughs> but I'm not going to do that. I'm going to try and force myself to to speak up. Uh, I've just got some weird congestion going on, but otherwise, I'm great. <laughs> <laughs> How about you? Oh, I'm good. Um, not a lot to report. Same old, same old. Nope. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I went to San Antonio since we last talked, which was fun. Yes, for a um, big music conference. Yeah, yeah, lots of concerts. Uh, I saw a movie or two. Uh, yeah, good times. I mean, you've you've been busier <laughs> than me, so <laughs> you've got all the stories. <laughs> well, uh, we have a few introductions to do before we move into our episode discussions. Uh, we have a new email from Nathan who, this is really cool, he also convinced his wife and his daughter to listen to the podcast as well. Awesome. Thank you, guys. That's really very, very, very cool. As we always like to say, we love hearing from people, especially through something so direct as an email. So shout out to Nathan and his family, and we'd love to hear from more people via email. We also have new reviews on Apple Podcast from Caro Salin, Poker and Guns, Joel Zamag, Casey Late, Christy Miner, and Rachel, pardon if I messed up any of those names, but thank you all for <laughs> reaching out. Uh, it seems like we're getting waves of Apple podcast reviews, probably just as they submit them as Apple okays them. So thank you all for reaching out. If we've missed anybody, hopefully we'll get them here pretty soon. Apple's just sort of releasing a bunch at once, but thank you. Thank you all. Yeah, thank you all. And Rachel is the most recent review. I just wanted to mention her specifically as well, because she said, her boyfriend has never watched The Office before, and so she is leading him through The Office episode by episode with our podcast accompanying it, which is awesome. So that's very cool. I love that. I don't know how many people we have listening to the show who are first-time viewers, so if you are one of those people, shout out to us because we'd love to hear from you. Uh, I, I don't think we – I think we have a small handful. Yeah, we, uh, so. we did a poll, I don't know, season two or three maybe a long time ago. And we had a mm -hmm. couple of people who were first-time viewers of the show, uh, so it'd be interesting to try again now, now that we have a few more, and, and see what our numbers are like. Well, let's get started with our discussion today. We are starting with Training Day. It aired April 14th, 2011, directed by Paul Lieberstein and written by Daniel Chun. Michael is officially leaving Scranton to live with Holly and her parents in Colorado, and Saber has already hired a new guy to be the manager of Dunder Mifflin Scranton. His name is D'Angelo Vickers, and he is played by Will Ferrell. Will Ferrell is now in the office. Michael and D'Angelo hit it off really well, but as Michael sees the rest of the office start to show a little too much interest in D'Angelo for his taste, he starts to get jealous. We should also note that this is, uh, on the DVD anyway, a producer's extended cut, so that's what we both watched. And if there's anything, I mean, I, I tried to mark what was extended and what was not. But if there's anything that doesn't make sense, that was on the extended cut. So we, there were right. no deleted scenes. They just threw them into the extension. So beginning with Michael and D'Angelo, um, as you said, they get along really well at first. They're very similar. Uh, first of all, what a name, D'Angelo Vickers. <laughs> My goodness. Ugh, just the fanciest name in the world. Um, for not the fanciest guy, although he thinks he is, he's Will Ferrell. I mean, he's he's this 
just eccentric dude who loves the the southwest uh region of the US. He's I don't know, in in a lot of ways he's very similar to Michael um and they do get along really really well at first. We see how Michael and D'Angelo met and we'll get into that a bit in the funny moments I'm sure, but when Michael as you said when he sees that the office takes an interest in D'Angelo because he's their new boss, of course they're going to try to get on his good side and take interest in him. Michael gets jealous and weird about leaving and weird about, I don't know. I think he's just jealous and, and, and feeling the change, feeling the shift. They both have a sort of penchant for hyperbole. They both tend to say factually incorrect things like they're facts. And they're both sort of generally silly. Uh, I do want to ask real quick, what was your initial impression of D'Angelo? I know it's hard to maybe remember back to then. But uh, I can start if you if you want to have time to think about it. I used to like despise Will Ferrell. I had no desire to see anything he was in. I had never seen any of his movies at a certain point in my life. Uh, probably while I was watching The Office, I don't think I'd ever seen him in anything. Uh, and so my first experience with Will Ferrell was in The Office, and I was sort of naturally predisposed to not like him. I don't remember if I did dislike him the first time I watched him here. But I do think I've warmed up to him a lot, especially since I've warmed up to Will Ferrell in general in viewing some of his movies over the years. I, I did finally watch like Anchorman and Anchorman 2 and uh, a few other Will Ferrell roles that I do really enjoy. But it's just interesting to look back and think, wow, I used to just hate this character for no reason. And I think a lot of people have that sort of mindset when they first see D'Angelo. Yeah, I, I, I'm trying to remember. I think... I didn't like him because he wasn't Michael, mm-hmm. you know, and I was just, no, like, can't leave. Anything that's new is bad. Um, I never felt a disposition one way or the other to Will Ferrell. I hadn't seen a bunch of his movies, although I did. I, I honestly have no idea when Elf came out, but it had to have been years before this, 2003. right? 2003. Um, 2003. Great. Yeah. So a decade before, nearly. Great. Okay, good job, Katie. <laughs> Um, <laughs> yes, I had seen Elf at that point then, <laughs> and I loved that movie. Uh, that was really the only Will Ferrell movie that I had any sort of reaction to, I guess. I don't know. Um, but I, I did like that movie a lot. So more than anything, it was just a, oh, Will Ferrell's on The Office. Mm-hmm. That's weird. <laughs> and he's replacing Michael. And he's replacing Michael. And it was just like sort of out of place because he's this big, huge star. Not that Steve Carell wasn't, but he wasn't such a massive star when he started the office and he kind of grew into his stardom. Will Ferrell was placed into the office already a big star and it was just, I don't know, it felt out of place and disjunct, but in this watching in particular for the podcast, I like him a lot more. Mm-hmm. Um, of course I'm, I'm looking at it through new eyes and he's great now, especially seeing some of the deleted scenes um, with him in, in future episodes and stuff. It's he's growing on me to, <laughs> to answer your, your, question in a very long way okay i'd love to hear from other people who maybe thought one way when they first saw d'angelo and maybe think differently now or maybe maybe your mind hasn't changed i don't know uh but in any case uh d'angelo as a character he seems like a pretty agreeable guy he does have michael's same quirks but he seems to be a little bit more on everybody else's level i guess he's a little bit more connected with people he's a little bit less or maybe a little bit more politically correct um Uh, in fact, at the end of the episode, he asks, what is the Native American girl's name? Like, he pauses for a second and 
Kelly is very clearly Indian, but he thinks that the word Indian might be offensive, even though she's from India, but whatever. Uh, but he says Native American. And that's something yeah. Michael, at least at the beginning of the, the series, never would have done is consider for a split second what's the least offensive term I can use here. So, With the exception of maybe Michael asking Oscar if there was a less offensive term than Mexican. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, why would, why would that be offensive? I, my family is from right. Mexico. <laughs> and that's Michael just getting things <laughs> But backwards. he just went out there and said it. Yeah, exactly. D'Angelo's introduction to the office, everybody is uh, into the idea of him. When Michael first introduces him, he does uh, his whole, everybody applaud because I like the fanfare for fanfare's sake. And so everybody claps and it's sort of half-hearted. But then he reveals D'Angelo and all of a sudden, oh, the new boss is here. Let's clap for him. And as they get to know him a little bit more, everybody's sort of trying to suck up to him today. Uh, some of them a little too much. Uh, but he says during his opening speech, uh, at least I think this might be the producer's cut. He says, with a little hard work, this can be the best office in the world. And he says, I truly believe that. That is not an understatement. So, yeah, hyperbole for sure. But then he starts to change things. He starts to display his new authority because he is the new manager. And that's when Michael starts getting away from being buddy-buddy with him. Because why is this guy changing things that I've worked so hard to set in my way over these many years? We see Michael kind of grapple and struggle with giving up his authority. He's sort of a lame duck leader at this point. There's not much he can do because everyone knows that he's leaving. And we watch him become jealous. And there's another word, but I don't know what it is. Like he's, he's just, he, he's watching himself lose authority and he does not like that. And things like D'Angelo calling in a barber to get a shave in the office such a power move so i don't know so weird and masculine and like this the barber comes to me you know and um mm -hmm. like this is my place now yeah it, make yourself at home dude like it's just mm -hmm. he in the producer's cut he even does a workout in the multi-purpose room <laughs> right it's it's very much he's gotten very comfortable very quickly and so michael calls in his own barber of course which is aaron he just walks right up to her and says, shave me. And I just put, bless Aaron for not asking any questions and just jumping right in there. <laughs> okay, I will shave you. <laughs> she maybe should have asked a few questions, though, because she clearly has no idea what she's doing. <laughs> a couple. <laughs> but Michael is just trying to keep up. He's trying to, I mean, he is still the boss for a few more days, and he's just in a tough position. I get it. Dean or Michael says D'Angelo's great. I love the guy, but I'm not sure he's a great fit for the office. And also, I'm not sure if I love the guy. So he's clearly conflicted. Uh, again, in the producer's cut, I'm not going to try and reference only things in the producer's cut. <laughs> but there's a throwaway line in at the end of the cold open in the non-producer's cut where D'Angelo says, "We should write a movie together." I'm serious. And in the producer's cut, they actually wrote a movie together. There's a 150-page script sitting on Pam's desktop because they sat and they wrote a movie together, which is crazy. They, they hit it off really strong, but now things are changing that Michael's losing his authority. Dwight is also upset during this episode because he was hoping to get the manager job. And at this point, he thinks that Michael gave corporate a recommendation for Dwight to take the job. Because, of course, Dwight's want, Dwight wants this job. He's wanted this job for a long time. But 
Dwight obviously did not get the job. And so he's complaining about D'Angelo and Michael and him are both sort of commiserating and complaining about D'Angelo together. And Michael says, you know, everyone's treating D'Angelo like a god, whereas they used to call me the world's best boss, you know, via the mug that I bought for myself. And then Dwight, they have this little exchange. Dwight says, Michael's now just a lame duck, which is a person who's about to be succeeded by somebody else in political office. Michael does not know what that means. So he's offended and says, well, you're just, I'm using Michael's word, you're just a retarded owl. Dwight says, and D'Angelo is just a fat cow. And Michael stands up for him for a second here. He says, hey, you and D'Angelo are pretty much body twins. And Dwight says, oh, I guess I'm just talking about how D'Angelo used to be now this becomes a plot point for d'angelo a little bit later in fact not until uh, a couple episodes down the line but it's revealed in the producer's cut that d'angelo used to be a very large man he was 425 pounds and they find a picture of him at this weight and michael starts passing it around the office as a way to change everybody's view of him like to lower him off a pedestal is his goal. And it sort of backfires. D'Angelo takes that opportunity to give this inspirational speech about turning your life around and, and anything being possible. Reach of the stars, you know, and it's, it turns into a probably pretty empty speech, but inspirational sounding and the office loves it. And wow, you could do anything you want to do and be anything you want to be. And it ends in a round of applause. And this is not at all what, what Dwight wanted to achieve with this picture. But sure enough, this is just another example of the office, I don't know, being wrapped up in in this new manager that is D'Angelo and and siding with him over what has been. And we see more of Dwight in this episode struggling to accept that D'Angelo is his new manager, is his new boss, and he's he's having trouble well he's he's kind of caught between a rock and a hard place because he's having trouble recognizing D'Angelo as the new manager, but he's also mad that he's not the new manager himself because Michael hasn't, we, we learn later, uh, Michael has not actually given him a recommendation for the job. So he's just sort of mad at everything. <laughs> he's not in a good place. He's, there's, no, there's no one he can slide with at this point. And all this sort of culminates in Michael getting to the point where Earlier in the episode, D'Angelo had told everybody, I've got a peanut allergy. It's something I was born with. It's something I live with. And so Michael, wanting to be antagonistic and dramatic, brings out a tray of peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, his mom's recipe. I didn't know there was a recipe for PB&J, but okay, Michael. So he, he's brought out this tray, even though, and probably because he knows that D'Angelo is allergic to peanuts. So he starts tossing them around at people. He tosses one into Kevin's mouth. He tosses one at Oscar. And... Uh, D'Angelo swats it to the ground and runs into the multi-purpose room and calls a mandatory meeting with everybody right then uh, without Michael. And so they all filter into the multi-purpose room and Jim stops and says, hey, listen, man, you're the one who decided to leave. We have to do this because he's our new boss. You have to understand this. And Michael says, okay, sure, whatever. And he goes over to Dwight and says, well, it's just you and me now, Dwight. And at this point, Dwight has talked to Gabe found out that Michael did not give any sort of recommendation letter. And so Dwight is no longer on Michael's side and he is siding more with D'Angelo, even though he's still trying to warm up to him. And so he says, nope, just you. And Dwight follows everybody else into the conference room. 
D'Angelo sees Michael looking sad out in the office and comes out and he asks for some advice on how to lead a conference room meeting and offers to hug him. He says, it's too bad for this place that you're leaving. And he holds out his arms. Michael won't hug him until <laughs> D'Angelo turns around and is walking back into the conference room, multipurpose room. And Michael hugs him awkwardly from behind, and D'Angelo reaches behind him and wraps his arms around Michael. So it's the most world's most awkward hug, except for maybe when Malfoy hugs Voldemort in Deathly Hallows Part 2. <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> Slightly more awkward. <laughs> and at this point, Michael reveals what about all of this has him secure. And we touched on this, but D'Angelo is likable. He's competent. He's good at his job. And everyone's eager to please him because he's the new guy and he's their new boss. And they, aren't, they weren't always so keen to please Michael. They're used to him. He's been in their lives for a long time. D'Angelo says, no, I'm adequate. I'm half as good as you are. I mean, it's clear sucking up, but it's a nice thing to say. Michael says, no, you're good and they know it. Go in there and do your job. You're going to be fine. And this actually brought tears to me because it was something I hadn't noticed before. At this point, the camera is facing that wall that has both the conference room and Michael's office, right? And it's cut down the middle. And D'Angelo goes into the conference room and closes the door. And Michael goes into his office and closes the door. So on each side of the screen, you have Michael by himself in the office. And then you have mm -hmm. everybody else together in the conference room. And I was just like, holy crap. That is really, really yeah. good camera work. And something I hadn't even considered before. I I noticed that as well. I said it's, it's such a sense of finality mm -hmm. for Michael. It's it's literally closing the door mm -hmm. on this chapter. I mean, it's it's a very symbolic scene um, shot. Very nice editing and, and camera work. Such a sense of, okay, he and D'Angelo made up enough. He's come to terms with the fact that he's not the manager really anymore. And okay, shut the door. Move on let the new manager be with his people and I will separate myself. It's, it's such a, okay, he's, he's moving on. Yeah. It's, it's awesome. And I'm assuming that's in the normal cut of the episode. So everybody needs to load up Netflix or the DVDs or whatever you got and go check that out because it is really, really good camera work. It's so cool. And it, it made me a little bit emotional. <laughs> I won't lie. Um, <laughs> now I have just a little bit more to say about Dwight because in the producer's cut, yeah. Michael has a talking head where he says, I didn't know Dwight wanted to be manager. That is kind of mind-blowing to me, and I can't tell if Michael's serious, because obviously Dwight wants to be manager. I mean, the events of the coup back in season three notwithstanding, Dwight has been at Michael's side for years. He's tended to every whim that Michael has had. He's done so much for him. Obviously, he wants to be the the manager i mean he's been so keen on being the assistant regional manager this whole time and so yes he wants to be manager how could michael not even just assume that although i'm sure that dwight's has dwight has said it out loud it just blew my mind and i, I was just really surprised by that scene that, that brief talking head in the producer's cut also a couple of jim and pam things you mentioned a couple of people um sucking up to d'angelo a little bit too much might be jim and pam at this point they have a brief moment of connection with him. D'Angelo has four kids. Jim and Pam have a kid, so they bond briefly over the fact that they all have children. A lot of people have kids. It's not a huge coincidence. 
they take this a little bit too far and they just run with that fact and they kind of bug him all day long about stories of their baby and jokes about their kid and it's just okay all right we get it you have a kid and i kind of get that d'angelo's <laughs> annoyed they're being a little much <laughs> i love jim and pam and i they can do no wrong except sometimes they can be a little bit wrong <laughs> and here they were a little bit wrong i kid they could definitely <laughs> be wrong but at one point they're about to tell another story about cc and De and d'angelo's just had enough he says enough about your baby i know what you're doing just mm. quit it so d'angelo is really keen on mm -hmm. brown nosing not keen on brown nosing but he's he's aware he's, of it uh, he's mm. aware of it yeah he's he's very yeah aware <laughs> that's the word he's aware of brown nosing and he doesn't like brown nosing and we'll see this sort of as a theme with him over the next few episodes as as he adapts um into his new role so he's not <laughs> enjoying jim and pam at this point they feel like they really set off on a bad foot and they want to fix it Pam says that she knows that talking about your kid can be annoying. Every parent thinks that their kid is the cutest, but Cece really is, <laughs> she says. And Jim agrees. And they decide, okay, you know what? What will really change his mind is if we bring Cece in, he will see that Cece is the cutest baby in the world and he'll have to like us and he'll have to like her. And so they bring Cece in at the end of the episode and D'Angelo admits to them, okay, all right, that's a really cute baby. And they're like, yeah, right? And they leave. And then D'Angelo has a talking head. I'm telling you, that baby could be the star of a show called Babies I Don't Care About. <laughs> He's just finally had enough and, and okay, fine, your baby's right. cute. Yeah. <laughs> Leave me up. alone. I mean, like, they, they tell, like, four yeah. baby stories, and it's his first day. Spread them out a little bit, guys. I mean, you don't have to win him <laughs> over on day one. Um, poor Andy yeah. in this episode. Oh, at the beginning, when D'Angelo and Michael are talking about how they met and how they didn't know who the other one was, uh, we'll talk about that more in deleted scenes or, or, or in funny moments. Uh, Andy pulls out a couple of name tags with his name on them. He says, I always carry, a, I always carry them, these around just in case, because you never know when you might need to ID yourself. And Andy is being just totally hundred percent Andy here. That's a totally Andy thing to do. He's not joking around even in the slightest. D'Angelo thinks it's a joke. And so he laughs at it. He says, Hey, you're the office funny guy. Every office needs to have a funny guy. And so now Andy has to live up to this funny guy standard that D'Angelo has set for him. And so he can't come up with a joke. It accidentally devolves into slapstick humor at Andy's expense. He trips over a table because he's leaning too hard on it and he falls to the ground. And all of a sudden he's now the slapstick comedian of the office. And so he's now more of a clown than a jokester. And there's one scene in the kitchen where D'Angelo makes him, well, D'Angelo only makes him do some things. Andy ends up. Uh, throwing uh, tea bags everywhere. He sticks his hand in the toaster, which is unplugged. It's good, good for him. He tosses cheese balls everywhere. <laughs> he is then asked by D'Angelo, hey, eat some soap. And so now Andy is cringing as he's trying to squeeze soap into his mouth. It's just the worst. It's so awful. And he says, well, I guess this is my life now. So poor Andy being forced to be the, quote, funny guy of the office when we know Andy's not very funny. We mentioned that D'Angelo is a bit more, I don't know, evolved <laughs> than Michael, a bit more uh, normal and PC. He's mm -hmm. not, I mean, he's a bit, a little, but he's still way off of most yeah. people's sense of normal. I mean, I don't think any new boss, any boss 
at all. But especially a new boss who's trying to impress people would ask their brand new employee to put soap in their mouth. Like it's just, he's just. <laughs> For his own amusement. Yeah, exactly. It's, he's definitely off, off track, off kilter. Daryl is also trying to suck up to D'Angelo. He says, you know, I love the Southwest. It's my favorite region, blah, blah, blah. And he admires D'Angelo's 10-gallon hat when he brings it out. And he has his sister. We haven't seen her in a while. His sister comes and buys him some cowboy stuff, like some boots and uh, uh, like a plaid shirt. and Like a pearl snap. Yeah, like a yeah. pearl snap, <laughs> like the kind my grandpa wears. Yep. <laughs> and, and all of our college classmates. Yeah, yeah probably. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, she also buys him an old, a kid's Old West toy gun set, which he turns down. And so the rest of this episode and even next episode, Daryl is all gussied up in his cowboy gear because he loves the Southwest just like D'Angelo. So good for him. <laughs> and then the last thing I want to mention before we move on to strict funny moments, and this is a really small thing, but I thought it was interesting. In the producer's cut of the episode, Creed has some additional lines at the very beginning. And I, I, didn't, I wanted to know your thoughts on this. Um, he's super welcoming, welcoming to D'Angelo as he's introducing himself. He speaks on behalf of everybody else. He says, we couldn't be more excited about having you work here. Welcome. And then when Michael says, there's so much more to learn about D'Angelo, Creed speaks up and says, and we can't wait to learn it all. Right, guys? Again, welcome. It's just strange for Creed to be so vocal and on behalf of everybody else. It's like he's trying to be the spokesman. Yeah, I kind of chalk that up to... I think we're so used to seeing Creed just say shocking things that him for once being normal and authentic and like the team leader is the shocking thing. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, and so I think that was more like a writing tactic, a, a, a character comedy bit than anything else. I don't know if that makes any sense, but I think that his normalcy in that moment is out of place and is is funny because he's not normal. Oh, that's fair. I think that's what that is, if that makes sense. Yeah, it changes our expectations. Right. Or it deviates from our expectations. Okay. Well, let's go on to funny moments. What do you got? So many of the character interaction things I had in funny moments because I was just like, because <laughs> they just overlap yeah. so so much, like all the Daryl stuff. Um, let's start with the cold open. So the cold open, Michael is supposed to meet his replacement at a bar. We don't know his name yet, but... Michael's a little bit early, so he strikes up a conversation with the man across the bar. Turns out he's a lot like Michael. They get along well. Turns out, again, they've been waiting on each other to arrive. Michael's like, man, this guy's so late. Let me step away and call him. At the same time, D'Angelo gets a phone call. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I didn't need to take this. And they spend a few minutes trying to find each other. And... uh it turns out, yeah, they're supposed to meet each other. And, and and so when they tell the office this, of course, the office thinks that Michael sounds stupid when he explains this story. Like, man, I was supposed to be meeting this guy and we were sitting next to each other all along. They said, this story makes you sound dumb. But we, when D'Angelo tells it, they laugh and it's funny. So it's just another example of Michael uh, not being enough for them anymore. It's kind of sad. There are so many great quotes from this cold open. Yes. D'Angelo says, to beginnings and endings. And Michael says, and to middles, the unsung heroes. And to moms. And D'Angelo says, the moms of the troops. <laughs> and Michael says, <laughs> do not tell my fiance that I'm drinking on a Wednesday. D'Angelo says, I won't. I don't know her. <laughs> and there's just so many funny things. I wish I could just read them all. But 
Uh, I know. Just yeah, read the whole I'm scene. I'm not going to, but uh, I will point out the extended producer stuff in this scene. Uh, we see a lot more, like a few minutes more, of Michael and D'Angelo hanging out at the bar. They play a game on yeah. one of the touchscreens or whatever. They each uh, take a vodka shot. Uh, they have a, a small conversation. <laughs> Michael says, I've heard it is impossible to get addicted to vodka. D'Angelo says, that is true. That's true. Vodka is non-addictive. Most of the higher spirits are undetectable. <laughs> Michael says, it's because of the potato. <laughs> um, and then they each have this shot, right? They do a three, two, one countdown. And that's when you think, okay, they down the shot. No, they took a sip of the shot. <laughs> and D'Angelo says, this is going to take hours. <laughs> <laughs> and then they're talking about blueberries and cancer and the onion at the pool. It, it's pretty funny. Another couple of my favorite quotes from the cold open. Um, and this one just blew over my head for whatever reason until I watched it with subtitles where Michael is saying, yeah, he's moving to Colorado. D'Angelo asks, well, what, what are you going to miss most about Scranton? Michael says, the mountains. <laughs> <laughs> You're moving to Colorado. Scranton at best has big hills. Like, I don't think. And also where things are. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> where things are. You'll, you'll learn about that. <laughs> and then, uh, well, I'm moving to Colorado. Colorado, the sunshine state. Nope. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Yep, don't mess with Colorado. That's Texas. <laughs> um, and then reasons why he doesn't go skiing. I don't want to end up like Sonny Bobo. D'Angelo says, yeah, that's so just close. good sense. Everyone I know who skis is dead. <laughs> okay. Yeah. You're close, Michael. You're close. It's not Bobo, though. No. The, the other Sonny. Yeah, lots of just the entire cold open. It's just all good. I, I got a sense that a lot of it was improvised, especially the scene at the pool. Because uh, Michael says, you know what would be a great Onion headline? Cancer prevents cancer. And then they both laugh so genuinely and for longer than I think they would have if it was scripted. Yeah. That I was just like, man, I think they just let Will Ferrell and Steve Carell go. Because, you know, they've acted together before. They were both in the Anchorman yeah. movie at this point. And so that they'd had chances to improvise together in the past. But oh, it's so good. There is a moment with Michael and D'Angelo. They're drinking coffee together in the office while they wait for everyone to arrive. So I am under the impression that they spent the night together at the office, just hanging so. out and writing this movie. So they're waiting for everyone to arrive and they discuss coffee and how good it is and how it doesn't agree with them often. And, but no, have to have it, have to have coffee. Michael <laughs> says it keeps him regular. In fact, he gives it seven minutes. So he's got it down to a science. <laughs> When Michael sees D'Angelo calling a barber and everybody else is like, oh, man, that is so badass. That's so awesome. That's a real power move. Michael goes off and buys some shaving cream and a razor so that he, too, can shave in the office to impress people. And so we already said Aaron is the one who shaves him. And she has no idea what she's doing. She empties, like, half the can of shaving cream on his face and just, like, gently pats it. Like, there. Yes. Here's the cream that you need for your face. Way too much cream, everybody. Way too much. And it's mostly just scraping off Yeah, excess. she's yeah. mostly just scooping it. Like, okay, this doesn't need to be there. And then she, like, <laughs> occasionally nicks his cheek with the blade or something. And then she says, hey, you need to stop talking so that I can shave your lips. And he says, don't shave my lips. <laughs> and at one point, he even, like, just randomly shouts because she's about to do something he doesn't want her to do with the razor. And so... You just ah, <laughs> like this is a woman who has no need to shave faces ever, as she no. is a woman, and 
has likely never done this before, evidently, given <laughs> the amount of shaving cream she used. But she is Michael's receptionist slash slash assistant, so mm. <laughs> I guess she's shaving his face today. I also love you mentioned the script that Michael and D'Angelo wrote. Mm-hmm. I just like that it's called The Adventure Pals because I think it's about them. Yeah, probably. <laughs> just, just like running around the I, office together. Yeah. In the middle it's 150 of the night. pages. It's long for one night's work. And I think they just, I just think it's about them and their friendship and how I wish <laughs> that they had the chance to be better friends because I think if he wasn't taking Michael's job, they would be inseparable. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it's funny. There's one point in the episode. I'm trying to remember what it was. Uh, D'Angelo is doing like his introduction speech and he says something about himself and Michael says, huh, I didn't know that about you. It's like, well, yeah, there's probably a lot of things you yeah. don't know about him because you've known him for less than a day. Yeah, racking up about 12 hours now. So, <laughs> uh, Jim and Pam in the producer's cut, they tell one of the stories about Cece. She, they say, we bought her a set of wooden blocks, the ones with the letters on them. And they turned around for a second after they gave them to her. And when they looked again, Cece had spelled the word ass. And they thought it was so funny. And they were laughing. And Cece was laughing. And D'Angelo doesn't seem interested or amused because he's not either of those things. But Stanley, of all people, from across the room speaks up and says, Sometimes kids really do say the darndest things. (laughs) Hey, with my voice like this, I do a not-too-bad Stanley. That was not a bad Stanley. Just thinking. That sounds better than normal. <laughs> Dwight, there's a uh, an extended cut cut where D'Angelo asks Dwight if he has any recommendations on good restaurants in town. Dwight says he's got a list of pretty much everywhere. Yeah, I'll get it to you. And he just hands D'Angelo the yellow page. <laughs> no work put into this at all. Speaking of which, uh, there was another scene. This isn't a funny scene, but... Michael has Dwight come into his office to meet D'Angelo one-on-one because, I mean, Dwight was Michael's right-hand man. He's assuming he's going to do the same thing for D'Angelo. He says, hey, Dwight, didn't you have something you wanted to say to D'Angelo? And so Dwight comes out with a totally non-personal pre-written statement addressed to new manager of Dunder Mifflin. He says, I am Dwight K. Schrute. I am assistant regional manager. I will be at your beck and call night and day. Consider me an extension of your own hand. I serve at your pleasure. Congratulations on joining the staff here. This truly is a great day. The end. And he says, I brought you cookies. And Michael starts to hype it up a little bit. Like, oh, yeah, those shrewd cookies are pretty good. Did you bring the lemon bars or did you bring the coconut ones? And Dwight's like, I brought Chips Ahoy. Apparently, this is a popular brand that people like to to eat. And so leave it to Dwight to show his disdain for Angelo by still bringing cookies, just not making them himself like he normally would. Like, that that's insults enough. Like, you don't get the homemade it's stuff. It's just the most generic, yeah. The letter was generic. The cookies are gen- Like, it's all mm-hmm. just bland. Right. <laughs> Daryl, I, th- I just want to elaborate a little bit on his moment with D'Angelo. He said, yes, the Southwest is one of my favorite regions. Did I just sound totally lame? He says, no. I sounded good. We cut back to Daryl talking to D'Angelo. I love the desert. It's one of my favorite ecosystems. And then D'Angelo elaborates. He says, that's what I like about the Southwest. It's not just a desert. Along the North Rim of the Grand Canyon, there's a forest as lush as you've ever seen. Kevin says, burn, it's lush, dummy. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. and speaking of Kevin, he has decided to up his game in preparation for meeting the new boss. 
and he's wearing his toupee that we previously saw back in uh, Pam and Jim's wedding. And it, and yeah. the best part is his intro, classic, classic Kevin line, says, nope, it's not Ashton Kutcher. <laughs> it's Kevin Malone. Kutcher. Equally handsome, equally smart. And then he winks at the camera. <laughs> and then right after that, that quote that you just said where he says, it's lush, dummy. He says, hey, D'Angelo, what do you think of bald people? I hate them. <laughs> and I just think, Kevin, you're, you're <laughs> setting yourself up for failure in this endeavor. Because eventually you're going to take the toupee off. <laughs> and sure enough, in the produ- producer's cut, Michael later, in a moment of frustration, untoupees Kevin because uh, D'Angelo is redecorating. And he says, let's turn this supermodel back into Kevin Malone. So he takes off the toupee and everyone's sort of shocked. And Kevin looks upset and Michael feels bad. and so he gently places the toupee back on Kevin's head slightly askew <laughs> but yeah that that happens in the producer's cut this is a great scene between D'Angelo and Aaron D'Angelo asks Aaron why she uses her name when she answers the phone and suggests that she try not using her name Aaron says well I only did it because Pam did it and she's a living legend okay oh yeah well, yeah that phone answer <laughs> so okay I'll try not using my name Dunder Mifflin this is I like it. D'Angelo <laughs> says, no, 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 Dunder Mifflin, how may I assist you? Michael says, well, I kind of like it the old way. He and D'Angelo kind of squabble a bit over how they preferred the phone to be answered. Well, I hate to say it, Michael, but in just a matter of days, it's going to be D'Angelo's call, not yours. So mm-hmm. let, let the little things go. Uh, but they're all watching Aaron to see how she's going to answer the phone, and the phone rings. And it rings, and it rings, and she answers, and then says nothing. For a few seconds, and then just, I'm so sorry, and hangs up. (laughs) (laughs) Like, the stress is too much. I can't say anything. (laughs) (laughs) The first time D'Angelo comes up to Andy to ask him to make him laugh, he says, I'm sort of in a mid-afternoon lull. Try to make me laugh. And so Andy starts a joke. He says, what do African Americans call the... And he freezes and he's just like nervously laughing because he doesn't know the answer to this joke. And by this point, Stanley, just to his left, has started paying attention because, hmm, a joke about African-Americans. What what is this going to be about? Thankfully, that's when the barber shows up. So D'Angelo says, we'll come back to this later. And Daryl steps out and says, finish the joke, Andy. What do African-Americans call? And he just looks panicked and says, I don't know. Help me. (laughs) (laughs) Anything. (laughs) There's a... a Kelly moments where there's a new person in the office, just like when Charles Minor showed up. Now we've got D'Angelo, who's another guy, so she's got a hit on him, and she does her meet cute thing. So she's walking by D'Angelo, and she drops her papers and turns to the office and says, "I'll get that, you guys. Yeah, you dropped him. <laughs> You're gonna get him." <laughs> and D'Angelo helps her, picks up the papers, and she's just flirting and biting her glasses and like. Just trying to be so cute and he's your boss and he's <laughs> just stop like and then she just has a talking head and that's what you call a meet cute she's admitting to just forcing this pretend relationship on again just like she tries to do with charles one last tiny one oscar has a talking head he says michael is leaving and apparently they've already hired a new manager and we're meeting him today it's a lot to process paperwork wise <laughs> <laughs> He has apparently come to terms already with with Michael leaving and 
is not that broken up about it. <laughs> I'm glad you mentioned that one because I did have that listed, but I forgot to say it. So thank yeah. you. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> you have our discussion topic. Yes. I didn't really know what to, to do for this one, so I'm just running with this. Dwight going to Gabe instead of confronting Michael, which we didn't really talk about, but that's what happened. He went to Gabe to, to ask about this referral letter that Michael wrote. Turns out he didn't write one. So Dwight went to Gabe instead of confronting Michael seems unlike him. Why did he do that rather than speak directly with Michael about not getting this job? You know, I I think that unfortunately for Dwight, he's a little too trusting of Michael. Um, maybe not always in his ability, but at least in his character and in his mentor slash confidant. You know, he, they, they spend a lot of time together and he does a lot for Michael. And Dwight had no reason to believe that Michael didn't turn in a recommendation letter for him. He says, why didn't I get the job? But the question isn't, why didn't you recommend me? It's just, why didn't I get the job? And so he thinks that the failure is at corporate somewhere rather than with Michael himself. So yeah, I, I think that's what it was. It, it, it's almost sad because Dwight maybe would have gone to Michael or would have confronted Michael had that been the option. But because he trusted Michael so much, he didn't feel the need to have that confrontation because he just figured, oh, Michael knew this is what I wanted. We have such a close working relationship, such a close friendship even in Dwight's eyes. But that's not the way Michael sees things, apparently. And I guess a bonus question. Do you think had Michael written a recommendation letter, do you think Dwight would have gotten the job? Mm. It's hard to say. There's really no no way to know. But That's a good question. Um, I would think, I think he'd have a good chance because yeah. he has been with the company for a while at this point. He's been there, what, 11 years, he says. He's been at Michael's side in the next episode. And he is a hard worker. He's got great sales numbers. And that's why Michael was promoted in the first place was because he was a great salesman. So especially with Michael's recommendation, I think Dwight would have stood a very good chance of getting manager. Yeah. Cool. Well, going on to our next episode, uh, this is Michael's Last Dundies, another big episode. It aired on April 21st of 2011 and was directed and written by Mindy Kaling. Michael takes his first steps, relinquishing his managerhood to D'Angelo by inviting him to co-host the Dundies. D'Angelo, who suffers from debilitating stage fright, struggles, struggles to prepare and proves he shouldn't be on stage. Meanwhile, Dwight is still heartbroken about not being selected as the new manager of Dunder Mifflin. Man, even the title of this episode is sad. Yeah. <laughs> We're just preparing. We're just getting <laughs> the ball rolling here with the sad episode. I mean, it's only the second time we've seen the Dundies, but they still feel like they've been an ingrained part of the show, especially since season two, the Dundies episode. We've seen people talk about the Dundies. We've seen Michael... Uh, display his dundies at his condo we've seen jan throw his dundee at his uh perfect plasma screen tv <laughs> uh so i mean it, it's been something that's been referenced many times and we know that it's so important to michael and in this episode i mean from the title it's his last one he is officially leaving it's almost like an extra level of verification that michael really is going to be gone it's his last one and so michael's making a big deal of it He's including D'Angelo in the festivities because this is Michael's legacy, the way he sees it. And he wants this to continue. He doesn't want to let somebody take charge of, the, of Dunder Mifflin Scranton if they're not going to continue his traditions. And so this is 
in his mind, something that's going to continue forever and will always link back to Michael Gary Scott. <laughs> yeah, I, I had that thought as well, which is he would rather kind of train D'Angelo how to host the Dundies than take this last one, make it glorious, make it his, and risk the Dundies not happening in the future. He would rather have it suffer a little bit this year, even though it's his last year, and have it go on, which I thought was really sweet. And suffer it does. D'Angelo, for a manager, has horrible public speaking skills, but cannot make a joke on stage. As, as soon as it's presented as a stage, he's, he's out the window. He can't function. He can't think of it as a performance. He doesn't consider himself a performer. Right. He initially says he doesn't want to do this, but Michael's insistent. And he absolutely wants D'Angelo to think of this as a performance as well. Uh, Andy suggests, why don't you just think of it as conducting a business meeting in your head, like privately in your own thoughts, Jim says. Why does it matter? Uh, but Michael says, no, it is absolutely a performance. It's the performance of his whole career. And Daryl says, Mike, why do you have to control how he perceives it in his mind? Michael says, this is my last Dundies ever. If I want mind control over him, is that too much to ask? Uh, maybe a little bit, but... <laughs> But Michael is so insistent that this is a performance, this is a, a hosting gig, and he is dead set on helping D'Angelo be the best host he can be. And so they practice in the conference room together. They have cue cards, which Michael has used in the past as well. But he, he's helping D'Angelo along as best he can. He even goes through this whole King's Speech scenario where he's doing vocal warm-ups and is listening to loud music while trying to enunciate a speech uh, so he can't hear his own voice. And that leads to one of my favorite quotes from this episode that I quote all the time. The Dundies. The Dundies. <laughs> the Dundies. So they get to the Dundies and D'Angelo is introduced and he immediately turns around and runs away. I mean, even with all this prep, he's not having it. So Michael talks him up with this weird prep talk. He's not doing it for him, not for Michael, not for the employees, but for all those kids out there eating off the <laughs> Louis Volpe's kids menu, wondering, does it get better? I mean. Again, just like the Chili's one in season two, this is taking place. They did not rent out the restaurant. So there are people <laughs> dining, enjoying their evening, and are being subjected to this performance award show. They just get to witness all this. Um, and then Michael gives away a few awards, including the Michael Scott Award for Best Dundee's Host. He gives it to D'Angelo. I think Michael's being pretty Awesome. I, at, at, at this point, I mean, this is not the Michael that we knew definitely a few seasons ago, maybe even last season. He's grown so much. It's very heartwarming. I don't think he would have done that uh, mm. even just last season. He's, I don't know, he's, he's grown up. Well, last season he was cheating or he was yeah. being cheated with. Uh, so, yeah. Holly, we, we've said this in the past, back in the beginning of season five, when they were first a thing, Holly makes Michael better. And we are definitely seeing the fruits of that now as they are officially engaged and they're about to move out together. But this is a, a really big deal for Michael that he hands over the best Dundee's host award. That is something that back in season two, Michael would have given himself best Dundee's host award, me. But here he is mm -hmm. sharing, well, not even sharing that award. He is giving that award to his successor. So he's really handing over the torch properly. Uh, this guy who previously didn't want to hand over power or didn't like being less liked than somebody else. So good on Michael for growing up and 
being so mature about the situation uh, in handing over his his spot to somebody else. Of course, when Michael gives D'Angelo the Best Dundee's Host Award, sorry, the Michael Scott Dundee Award for Best Dundee's Host, he has to, D'Angelo has to do the headphone thing, and he chooses to talk about when he was vomiting in the bathroom just moments ago, uh, which is why the bathroom's been shut down. So the manager comes over and shuts down the Dundies. People are trying to enjoy their dinners. They can't when on a microphone, a man is screaming about vomit. It's not going to happen. So they get kicked out. And that's how Michael's last Dundies will end. All right. I guess that's it. That's that's just great. He's he's frustrated and, and I don't know. He's he's just really upset that that is his legacy right there is just being shut down. So Pam suggests to Michael that they keep going. They want to take it back to the office and they all really want to continue this. So they head back to the office and go to the conference room and they continue giving out awards. And stuff's about to get real sad, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Before we get to the, the the big major moment of this episode that uh, we're, we're getting close to, but I want to talk just a little bit more about Dwight, especially, mm-hmm. um, because after his big disappointment from last episode, not receiving that recommendation letter, uh, he still hasn't confronted Michael about this, but he's obviously being very cold to him. When Michael announces to the office that he's training a replacement host for future Dundies, uh, Dwight brightens up a little bit. Maybe he'll get at least this promotion. But nope, he's disappointed again. Michael trains D'Angelo to host the future Dundies. And he has this really sad, really nerdy talking head where he says, always the Padawan, never the Jedi. Uh, so, I, I mean, I feel for Dwight. He's still doing the uh, sort of side hosting thing with all the sound effects and announcing things and all that kind of stuff. He receives the promising assistant manager Dundee. Uh, and he says... He gives a speech. He says, you know, let's think something that we take for granted in our daily lives. He's hinting at something pretty heavily. The humble trash can. And he tosses his Dundee in the trash can as he leaves the stage. So, yeah, I wonder who feels taken for granted. And I wonder who feels like he's being treated like trash by his supposed friend and mentor. You know, he he expected so much from Michael and he's just not getting it. Even for Michael, it's kind of thick not to pick up on this mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and, and say something to him and apologize because Dwight is being pretty obvious here. And so they are riding back to the office after they've been kicked out of Louis Volpe's and Dwight has a lot of attitude. He says the Dundies sucked. Uh, the, the, co- the hosts sucked. So much was just really, really bad. Michael pulls over to confront him. He says, what's your deal? And... Dwight just says, I just don't see why the Duddies are a big deal. And he leaves the car and he sprints back to the office. So it's just D'Angelo and Michael in the car and they get back to the office. So there's that. Now, did you want to go through the story with Aaron in this episode? Yes. So Aaron, we see eating lunch in her car. Pam and Jim are passing by and what's up? Are you okay? Why are you in here? It turns out she's avoiding Gabe. So Pam suggests that Aaron tell Gabe how she really feels. Aaron says, I'm not like you, Pam. I can't just be mean. (laughs) Okay. We get a little bit of the story there. And then at the Dundies, when Aaron is awarded cutest redhead in the office, much to Meredith's dismay, is when she decides to tell Gabe how she really feels and that she's not with the right person and that they should break up on stage at the Dundies. That she's not attracted to him and she cringes when he talks. She says, I have to be honest, right, Pam? Mm. (laughs) With the microphone in hand. So... Bad timing, but 
it's been coming for a long time, I guess. So good and bad things, but the timing was definitely uh, not optimal. But cringing when he talks, and this goes back really all the way to the beginning of their relationship when she said, I never would have said yes unless I had to. He's my <laughs> boss. I had to say yes. Yeah. She never really wanted to be in this relationship. And she's finally coming to terms with the fact that you shouldn't cringe when your boyfriend talks. Right. Not not at everything he says. On the bright side <laughs> with Erin, with her cutest redhead in the office award, she says that's the first award she's won in her entire life, which is a little <laughs> sad. But that was Michael's goal for the Dundies in the first place. He talks about it back in season two. Says the, the Dundies is, is something where everybody should look forward to coming and getting an award. This is an inclusive thing. Everybody gets something. Even if the award itself is kind of kind of sucks. Um, like Stanley gets the Diabetes Award. <laughs> it's an award. Yeah. It's something with his name on it. It's some sort of a recognition. And so good for Michael for, again, trying to give his employees something to look forward to. Even if it is a mandatory party and all that kind of stuff. And so... Let's go ahead and get into the big moment of this episode, which is really the office saying goodbye to him in a really, really sweet way. When Andy gets his award, um, which is the Doobie Doobie Pothead Stoner Award, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because apparently one time in college he smoked pot, instead of thanking everyone for his award, he just wants to thank Michael. This is back at the office. And they all do, he says. We all want to thank him. So they sing a parody version, but a nice parody version of the song 525,600 Minutes from Rent, or that's not the name of the song, it's Seasons of Love, but that's the, that's the, uh, the number in the mm -hmm. song um, about Michael's time at the office. And instead it's his 9,986,000, mm -hmm. is that right? Seconds that he spent as manager of Dunder Mifflin and all the things that he did in those seconds. And, oh man, it's good. <laughs> it's, it's really good. And my two favorite lines from the whole thing, I mean, the whole thing is sweet. And the fact that everybody is there, including Stanley, including Toby. Toby's there for this. He, he showed up. And he's been gone these past several episodes. But my favorite lines are Ryan saying, you helped me get off drugs. And Oscar saying, I forgive you for kissing me. This is <laughs> Michael, Gary Scott, <laughs> who did some bad things. He had some bad times in the office and in all these people's lives, but he made a difference in their lives. And a lot of them were good times. And it seems that for everyone, the good times outweighed the bad. And I just love that everybody put in the effort to make this a thing that happened. Michael, when it first starts, he says, Oh my God, something's happening. <laughs> and he is fighting back <laughs> tears the whole time along with me. It is it is such a sweet thing that these people have put together for him because we've seen them struggle with Michael, but they don't dislike him. In this moment, they are thankful for his tenure as their regional manager, and they are sad to see him go. And I think they communicate that in a really beautiful way. And at the very end of that bit, Michael has a talking head. He's completely red-faced and teary-eyed. He says, yep, yeah, okay. This is going to hurt like a mother. <laughs> this he's, he's kind of understanding the pain that is about to happen uh, of leaving. He's He's been building up to it, but it's starting the pain. And yeah, he's uh, 
It's going to suck. <laughs> it's going to suck. <laughs> That's a good way to sum it up. <laughs> so for something funny, please. So going into the funny moments with the cold open, uh, Michael and D'Angelo have woken up at 6 a.m. for some reason to deliver Dundee nomination certificates to the employees. They don't have to be at work until 9, we've established. Work starts 9, it goes to 5. So why not wait until like at least 7.30 or 8? That's a little bit more reasonable. But 6 a.m., that, that's just mean. Jim pretends Pam isn't home, even though we hear her in the background. He just shouts, stay in bed. <laughs> and Stanley threatens to call the police. They stop by Toby's house, and Michael throws a couple of eggs. Um, and then Meredith's door is unlocked and ajar when they get to her house. And they, they shout for her, Meredith, are you there? Anybody home? They turn around. Meredith is coming home from, in her words, a walk of shame. And she offers to make them breakfast. And she has Vienna sausages. And, hey, she has napkins, too. So, yeah, of breakfast. course. Why not have breakfast with Meredith? She has napkins. <laughs> they decline that offer, of course. Um, she enters the house. Come on in. I'll make breakfast. And she disappears. And they just say, I'm not going in there. <laughs> and they decline by sprinting away. D'Angelo says that her house reminds him his words of Katrina. <laughs> um, so it's not a happy place. No. Michael creates a, uh, an opening video for the Dundies. It's a video put together by him and D'Angelo and the rest of the office where the premise is D'Angelo has to find Michael and get him to the Dundies. So Michael dresses up as various office members. Some of which are pretty good, and it's actually quite funny, except to the people he's impersonating. I think it's pretty funny. Mm -hmm. uh, it ends up with D'Angelo in the bathroom wondering where Michael is. His reflection turns around, and it's Michael. I've been here the whole time, he says. <laughs> Oscar has talking head, where he says he wants to analyze it, but he knows that there will be no content. <laughs> <laughs> he knows there's no deeper meaning here. It's empty. <laughs> the characters he impersonates in this video are Joe... And uh, my favorite quote was, uh, we need Michael Scott, the best darn Dundee's host on both sides of Mississippi. <laughs> and then he does Angela, and he plays up the whole state senator joke that's been going about Robert, her uh, boyfriend, these past several episodes. He says, oh, he's a state senator. That title has no meaning. And then he's dressed <laughs> as Jim, and he's wearing an earring, for one, because Jim totally rocks an earring. He says, hey, want to go listen to some <laughs> records? I don't think I've ever heard Jim talk about records in any capacity. I don't, I, I think the joke is Michael thinks he's some sort of hipster. And so he likes records. But again, not something we've ever heard Jim talk about. And then his last character is Phyllis. And as Phyllis, he says, I've fallen and I can't get up. And we should reiterate again that Michael and Phyllis graduated high school mm -hmm. together. They are same the same age. age. But, but for whatever reason, Michael just thinks that Phyllis is a, a generation older than he is. More matronly. Yeah. Uh, Michael, at the start of the episode, the, uh, at the start of the episode says, the Dundies are my baby and they need to go on. When Larry King died, they didn't just cancel his show. They got Pierce Morgan to come in and do his show. And that way, Larry lives on. Three things, Michael. One, Larry King isn't dead. He wasn't dead in 2011. He's still not dead. Two, Piers Morgan, not Pierce. And then three, 
when Piers Morgan took over Larry King's show, I looked this up just to see if there was anything else to exploit from this joke. They changed <laughs> the name of the show to Piers Morgan Tonight. So in a way, it doesn't live on at all when Piers Morgan takes over. Anyways, it's just funny. He got so many things wrong in one short sentence. You did your research. <laughs> Michael gives Stanley the Diabetes Award, as you <laughs> mentioned earlier, and he insists on calling it that, not diabetes, but not in an obnoxious way. I think he thinks that that's how it's yeah, pronounced. Yeah, because of the guy from TV. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think he thinks it's pronounced that way correctly. <laughs> Phyllis then says, I have diabetes too, but you don't see me making a big deal about it. <laughs> okay, Phyllis. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's see. Um, uh, just, I, I might cut this back to where you were talking about the intro video. Uh, I love, I, I thought we could go into a little bit more detail on who he impersonates yes. and what he says. D'Angelo. I love this line from him at the Dundies. He says, they say he's going to be my right-hand man, ad-lib masturbation joke. Realizing he wasn't supposed to read that, um, he says, oh, no, I hate this. I hate it so much. I hate this so much. Loud again. <laughs> I hate this so much. Dwight Schrute, please accept this promising assistant manager, Dundee. <laughs> it reminds me of, I don't know, when you read plays in middle school or high school, if you're reading Shakespeare and you have that one kid that reads the stage directions, mm. like, no, it's not, you're not, it's a skip it. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, yeah, <laughs> it's great. It's funny watching the wait staff get progressively more upset with everyone. The first thing we see is Kevin is drawing on the tablecloth and the waiter comes up and says, where did you get crayons? Kevin says, I brought them from home. <laughs> Do you have a red? And so he's, he's drawing on this cloth tablecloth that they're using. And then Michael starts talking about herpes right after that on the, the microphone. And it's apparently not really related to anything. I don't think he says anything related to herpes after that. It's like he was trying to put in a, a, an interesting factoid or something. And then that's when D'Angelo shouts about vomiting in the restroom over the microphone. And so they, it ends the night with them unplugging the microphone and then sending them away. So Michael says, so that is how it ends. My last Dundies ever. I was hoping it'd be more like Godfather 3. That wrapped up the whole franchise in an extremely satisfying <laughs> way. But instead, it is like Godfather 1. That was very confusing. Had maybe three big laughs. Oh, well. Laughs? You were searching for the wrong thing not, from the Godfather movies. Not a comedy. And Godfather 3 is considered one of the worst movie sequels of all time. Godfather 1 and 2 are considered masterpieces. Michael... I mean, to each his own, I'm not going to, to like, take away your enjoyment of a movie or your opinion, but, Michael, I think you're wrong here. <laughs> and as someone who fancies himself a film aficionado. Yeah. <laughs> my favorite bit about the Kevin Crayon thing was that the manager says, this is a cloth tablecloth. You can't color on it. Kevin says, oh, really? Because <laughs> he has successfully colored on <laughs> white questions the meaning of black tie optional when michael announces that the dundies are black tie optional dwight says that every day is black tie optional true yeah, you're not wrong i guess you could wear a black tie if you wanted to you could dress up <laughs> <laughs> but i like that he it probably was a sassy moment towards michael but he's he's being funny and not meaning to um when d'angelo and michael are practicing his hosting abilities in the conference room uh, D'Angelo asks Jim, hey, are you having fun tonight? 
Jim says, yeah, sure. Having a great time. D'Angelo immediately asks, where were you on September 11th? And everybody's just oh. like, what are you talking about? Like, how did we get to this point? It's pretty funny. Another Dwight one. When people are walking into the restaurant for the Dundies, Dwight is at the door greeting people, I guess. But he's not doing a very good job. Kevin walks in. Dwight says, appalling. When Meredith walks in, I soar. Jim and Pam walk in. He says, surprisingly adequate. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Thank you for your approval, Dwight. Nice. <laughs> when Michael announces that the Dundies are going to be at Louis Volpe's, uh, Pam says, oh, their breadsticks are like crack. Ryan says, I love when people say like crack when they've obviously <laughs> never done crack. Pam says, well, the breadsticks are like what then, Ryan? What can I use? Ryan says, I don't know. Something from your world. The breadsticks are like scrapbooking. Pam says, you're right. You're right. I'm a middle-class fraud. <laughs> Michael says, okay, okay. Everybody's right. They're like breadsticks on steroids. Ryan says, yeah, that's great. <laughs> Fine. I mean, I guess Close. it's fair because, I mean, we don't ever specify what drug Ryan's on, but, I mean, he, he took drugs. So <laughs> I guess it's a little too personal for he him. So he's stand up for <laughs> his experience. <laughs> yeah, his, yeah, something like that. I love that Dwight plays his recorder to kill time at the Dundies, which we have seen <laughs> him play his recorder several times before, but it's one of those see-through colored ones like were popular in elementary school during our time anyway. And it seems like when, when everyone else started and stopped playing the recorder, it wasn't elementary school and Dwight just kept going. That's <laughs> his instrument of choice. And maybe even better, he had it on hand. Yeah, ready to go. So like, did he just keep it in a suit pocket or something? He's always know. prepared, that one. He's always got something <laughs> in his trunk of his car or whatever. When Jim and Pam join Aaron in her car to find out what she's doing, why she's by herself, why she's eating in her car, uh, Pam talks with her for a minute and then Jim says, I think you got this, I'm going to go. And he has a talking head to the camera and he just says, I'm sorry, that just wasn't interesting to me. And I've seen some criticisms of that saying, you know, that's weird for Jim's character. It's a little cold hearted for him. And I'm not sure I necessarily disagree, but I think it's funny that he's just like, yeah, no, this isn't a conversation I care to be a part of. I have no obligation to stay. My wife's got this. I'll see you guys later. <laughs> I, I think it's funny. It's funny. I think it is unlike him, but it's funny. Yeah. Jim wins best dad, Dundee. And I just think he's like, he's finally hit dorky dad status. And he goes up to uh, accept his Dundee. He says, wow, I, I don't parent for the award, but I got to tell you, it feels pretty good. Uh, CC, if you're watching this at home, it's way past your bedtime. By the way, how this get televised? And he's just like, dad jokes, dad jokes. And um, he's done. He gives Michael the mic and then he comes back on. He says, I, I don't know. Maybe being a good dad is just is just following your own compass. I don't know. I don't know. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> he's just such a proud dad, but he's so dorky now. And he gets back to the table with Pam and she says, you didn't think to mention me, huh? And he says, didn't I? Oops. And then the best mom Dundee is next. And Jim's already sort of like pre-congratulating Pam. Like, uh, you're, you're, of course, you're going to get the best mom. And then Michael says, somebody who I think we all feel like is a mom of the office Meredith Palmer. Okay. Uh, Meredith Palmer, sure. Who just this morning was returning home from a walk of shame with her door open in a jar. I mean, we don't know where her son is now, but uh not she says I'm not going to be the bet I'm not going to be a good mom tonight and she kisses Michael straight on the mouth and uh Dwight asks for a picture of the best mom and best dad together. Jim says I have to go do this and Pam is annoyed and says, "Why?" 
<laughs> Speaking of awards that people think they're going to get and aren't going to get, Ryan, as hottest in the office, is about to be announced. Preemptively stands up, but instead it goes to Danny Cordray, who at this point, honestly, I always forget still works for Dunder Mifflin because we never see him. He does. He's on the road. Ryan swears he's relieved, but we know Ryan well enough to know that he's probably, for whatever reason, slightly bummed out. It's just a little ego boost for him that he secretly needs. <laughs> but no, he does not get hottest in the office this year. Yeah, he says, um, I'm very relieved. How, how, do, you, how do you judge something like that? What is, what is the uh, criteria even? It's so... It's so subjective. <laughs> he, he's clearly a little, a little bit bummed. <laughs> a little bit. Kevin, um, earlier in the episode when Michael and D'Angelo are in the conference room practicing, he says, hey, can you guys help improve mine and D'Angelo's banter? And Kevin says, oh, I love banter, but I hate witty banter. <laughs> sure. Specific. Very specific. Possibly my last one. I love this moment between Aaron and Michael uh, towards the beginning of the episode. Michael says, you have big plans for tonight? Aaron says, I don't know. Maybe volunteer at a shelter, go to bed, or I don't know. Maybe I'm going to the Dundies. <laughs> Michael just says, you are getting so funny. Very good. <laughs> he's <laughs> he's trained her praise. well. Um, yeah. <laughs> Michael Scott himself. He can leave with a clear mind. Aaron's getting funny. Okay, one small moment, and then I have one more bigger thing that we have to talk about at the very, very end of the episode. So the small thing, during Dwight's acceptance speech, he says, we take the humble trash can for granted in our daily lives, and the camera shows Creed for just a split second. It gives us a little nod like, yes, I agree, continue. The trash can is very <laughs> underrated. We take it for granted all the time. It's like this little nod that it just communicates a whole lot about Creed yeah. and his outlook. I think we mentioned all the other awards except for Toby's, which was the Extreme Repulsiveness Award. So even on Michael's last Dundies, he can't give him a real one. That was actually my big moment. So, Oh, no uh, way. No, it's okay. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, so <laughs> D'Angelo is reading from the cue cards that Michael has uh, gotten drawn up. He says, every day, millions of Americans suffer from extreme repulsiveness. Someone in our midst is bringing that problem to light. Toby Flenderson, please come up here and accept the extreme repulsiveness award. And then he's, he realizes what he just said. He says, oh, that's so mean. <laughs> and Michael says, no, it's not. And Oscar and Jim are talking to Toby. And he says, it's his last Dundies. You got to play along, man. Come on. And so Toby comes up and Michael says, here he comes. All right. You deserve it. But then here's it, it leaves us with a little bit of interesting thing to think about. First off, Toby says, I really disagree with this. I think it's kind of hateful. And then he says, though I am a little happy right now to have a platform to talk about the outcome of a case I was recently a juror on, that's a Scranton Strangler case. He says, that man's being put to death. I was part of the verdict, and I'm not so sure he's guilty anymore. So that's something to think about going forward. Toby doesn't think the Scranton Strangler is as guilty as he convicted him to be. Anyways. We got some deleted scenes for this. Michael talking head, he says, this is my final Dundies. Part of me is devastated, but here's the thing. All great performers take their comedy and they blend it into something a little bit more serious, like Dave Letterman. <laughs> First, it's stupid Petrix. Then it's, ooh, I'm having a heart attack. <laughs> he says, I'm Velcroed to a wall. Then someone's extorting me. Will it float? I have a stalker. Makes for excellent TV. <laughs> I think that's just real life happening to him now. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> They are practicing hosting in the conference room. This is extended scene. Michael 
is like whispering to D'Angelo in the corner, why are you so bad at this? You're a great manager. And D'Angelo is like, oh, I don't know. Uh, he says, am I a good manager? He is just not feeling it. He says, I can't even look at these people. And Dwight starts booing. Michael tries to stop and Dwight says, hey, there will be hecklers. And so he continues with his booing. He says, the MCs are fat. The MCs are disloyal. Uh, so, I mean, he's taking direct shots at Michael, who's still not reading into the situation properly. Uh, Oscar then says, hey, can we leave? Because we already have a mandatory party tonight. And so D'Angelo says, yes, go go do your work. And Creed just crosses his legs and says, I'll stay here for a while. We get a deleted scene where Phyllis gets the, quote, redefining beauty award. Michael says that giving us a word says more about him than it does about her, in a way. Phyllis is actually excited to get it. She says, this is for all the real women out there. So, I I mean, it could be insulting. I think it is, but at least she doesn't think it is, I guess. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it's like a bittersweet kind of thing. Like, Michael's intentions are good. Like, you can be beautiful without sticking to the standards of beauty like you see on a magazine cover. But then he makes it sort of about him. Like, I think this says more about me than it says about her. Oh, uh, right. anyways. Um, yeah. It's mentioned in the episode that someone got the uh, kind of a B-word award, and it was Angela. We see her acceptance speech. She says, oh, this is a riot, but I don't care. I'm also kind of dating a senator, which I think is a really funny play on words because the joke is that he's only kind of a senator to begin with, so she's kind of dating a <laughs> senator. Anyways, she says, and kind of the happiest I've ever been. So that's sweet. She, she's happy with her place in life right now. Michael makes small talk with Dwight at the Dundies about D'Angelo. So he's a little green, and Michael wants Dwight to keep an eye on him in the future. Dwight mimics a, a peon. Yes, master. Anything for you, mm -hmm. master. Uh, he's just being petty and uh, frustrated yeah, with Michael. Almost like an Igor. Yeah. Like a Dr. Frankenstein. Yeah. Yes, master. He needs. He really um, needs to just talk to Michael at this point. But yeah, no kidding. He's he's not there yet. <laughs> and by the end of this episode, he still hasn't really. Yeah. So, um, Kelly is accepting her reward. We don't know what she got, but she's going on and on and on. It's been a great year for women in paper. I don't know how I beat you. How I'm up here and you're not. But let's hear it for women in paper. All right. <laughs> We see Danny Cordray accept his award via satellite. Uh, Michael went to Danny's house to give him his Dundee, so it's not actually via satellite because he appeared in Danny's satellite video as well <laughs> while he's on stage. So they just recorded it. The, uh, the then camera mic makes Danny feel uncomfortable by talking about how good looking Danny is. And when Michael asks what Danny's doing for the rest of the day, Danny just responds, Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I do not want to invite you to do what I'm doing. <laughs> in the conference room, after they've returned to the office after getting kicked out of Louis Volpe's, Michael is handing out a new Dundee. He says, Michael, or he says, there's someone here who has transformed himself at this company. He started here as a lump of coal, and he's since turned into a diamond, a black diamond. And we all know those are the most valuable kind. The Moving On Up Award goes to Daryl. And Daryl accepts the award. He says, I think this is kind of racist, but thank you. Thank you, Michael. Or he, <laughs> I, he, he may not say racist. He may just say offensive. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it works on a couple levels. He starts off as a black lump of coal and turns into a black diamond. And moving on up, I think, isn't that like a reference to the Jeffersons or something? Um, 
We're moving uh, on up. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to remember what TV show that song. It might just be a show called Moving On Up. No, it's the Jeffersons. Jeffersons it. theme song. Yeah. Nailed Boom. it. Okay. Which is a black TV show. <laughs> yeah. Like starring black, uh, black actors to specify. Andy sees Aaron in the office while everyone else is enjoying the rest of the Dundies. She's doing some work to get her mind off of how mean to Gabe she was. She was filling the copy machine and Andy tells her that she did it all wrong and to do it again. So she fills it again. He says, not even close. Again, after a while, she realizes that he's just spending time with her and distracting her from both Gabe and work. So nice that he's still being a friend through this breakup, even with their history. Mm-hmm. And good for Aaron feeling bad, too, because it was kind of awful. Yeah, <laughs> that was insensitive, to say the very least. Yeah. Now, for discussion topic, um, I don't have a serious discussion topic, I guess. But I did want to ask, how hard do you cry when you watch the seasons of Love Scene? <laughs> every time. Every time. I will say that there are scenes in which I cry more. That are coming up very shortly, but tears mm, are shed. I what you could be referring to. I don't know. <laughs> Certainly Scenes. not. Don't worry Next about them. episode <laughs> titled, Goodbye Michael. No, not that one. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> no, um, I mean, definite sniffles. Yeah. 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 Sniffles at the very Single least. Single tear, solitary tear, each side. Uh, yeah. 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 <laughs> okay. So, uh, to wrap up the episode, <laughs> we have some We're serious here. Finally, we have some voicemails. Um, first up, we have one from Justin from Minnesota. Let's listen to Justin from Minnesota. Hey, Chad and Katie. This is Justin from Duluth, Minnesota. I love your podcast. I listen to it every week. I just got done listening to Garage Sale, and I wanted to comment that it could have been really easy for the producers to say, let's just do a clip show of Michael and Holly throughout the years as they have gotten to know each other and that it would have been really easy to do that, but I think that uh, they really wanted to highlight how Michael cared for Holly and loved her and wanted to make her feel special on this proposal. So, yeah, I just th- thought that that was something that was really unique that they did, that it was um, it was probably not as easy to do as a clip show, but uh, but it was as um, it was really meaningful to everyone who had been watching uh, The Office since uh, the Holly was first introduced. Uh, thanks a lot. And uh, ha- we, I look forward to listening next week. Awesome. Thank you, Justin. Yeah, we agree. Um, speaking for Chad here, but I think the way that they did it, it's, it's new material. And even with the proposal, when he leads her to the office and he discusses times they had in those spots in the office without showing them, it's still new material that we get to re-experience what they had without viewing it just like they wouldn't get to watch a clip show of their relationship they get to um relive it through words and we get to do that too so i agree it's it's a neat and kind of emotional way to do it uh as you're experiencing this proposal as they would experience it as well right i mean we've talked about how michael's whole arc for the show uh, ultimately was finding a family and here he has found an actual family he considered his work uh, work employees to be his family and he's still close to them. He's still really good friends with them, but now he's going to have an opportunity to start an actual family with Holly. And so it's really important that we saw the moment where that truly began, which was the proposal. So very, very special. I, I like the points you made, Justin. 
Next up, we have Chad. I like something about that guy from Indianapolis. Hey, guys. Uh, Chad from Indianapolis. Uh, I love this show. As you guys can tell by me harassing you on Twitter all the time. But uh, just a quick one. I'm kind of listening back a couple episodes to you talking about Michael and Holly getting uh, engaged and all that. But why don't you think that we ever saw their wedding? You know, we see focuses on other characters throughout the series, but why did they skip over this one? Just want to get you guys' thoughts. Thanks. Okay, so Katie, why do why do we think we didn't see Michael and Holly's wedding, even though we saw Phyllis's wedding and Jim and Pam's wedding? So it's not a very fun answer. Sorry. Um, I think it's logistically, I think contracts ended <laughs> and uh, Steve Carell and Holly were Amy no longer. Sorry. Yep. That's what I meant. <laughs> I think Steve Carell and Amy Ryan were no longer contracted for the show and they just didn't have them to shoot that episode. Plus, I think there was a good sense of finality. I mean, we're not quite there yet. Uh, spoilers, we don't see the wedding. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Um, but I think Goodbye, Michael is such a emotional and final wrap-up for Michael that bringing back, because they're still just engaged at this point, they're mm. not married, um, that bringing back one episode with the two of them to have the wedding would feel a little bit, I don't know. You did all this work to close up their storyline and now we're being pulled out of the work you did to see them again, just a few episodes later, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think about Jim and Pam's wedding. Uh, they were engaged for like a season. I mean, they were, they were engaged for a while before they got actually married to each other. And I mean, not that we would need to wait that long for Michael and Holly, but I think that the engagement enough is I think the engagement is enough to say, hey, we're going to be together for the rest of our lives. And so we didn't necessarily need the wedding ceremony to conclude that part of Michael's character arc. We got the proposal that she said, yes, he says he's leaving. And that's that. I, I think that's that's a perfect way to just end Michael's story with Holly is we have plans to spend the rest of our lives together and we can trust that that's going to happen. Whether we see the wedding or not, we don't. But I, 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 that, that's it. I mean, I don't think it gets much more complicated than that. Now, for our last voicemail we're going to play for now, we have some questions. I'm going to go ahead and play it. Maybe somebody out there has answers for us. Miracle Whip. And that's that. Thank you. Random number. You know who you are. <laughs> uh, not sure what to do with that. <laughs> Now, we did get a longer voicemail from Corey from Oregon. Um, he pointed out that during the proposal, Michael says, you know, I like the lobby, this open area, because it's where Toby announced that he was leaving for Costa Rica. But Michael wasn't there for that. So he, he said, it's, you know, it's just sort of a weird detail that other characters would have shared that specific thing with him. I, I can see your point. I don't think it's necessarily that weird a thing. Uh, because, like, think about the next day. Oh, we were just waiting for Hank to show up, and Toby was like, yeah, I'm leaving versus Costa Rica. And so, I mean, it, it would have been an obvious thing to say, yeah, we were waiting in the lobby together, and that's when he said it. So uh, I don't think it's as weird as you are suggesting, but I, I do take your point. Yeah. Ag agreed. <laughs> and we will have one more voicemail playing after the end credits from Colin from Missouri, who just has a few nice things to say about the show. So thank you, Colin. Thank you, everybody who reached out to leave us a voicemail. Uh, we will give our voicemail 
information in just a couple minutes. And that wraps up the end of our official 79th episode of American Workplace. You can contact us at facebook.com slash workplace pod or at workplace pod on Twitter. If you would care to rate, review, or subscribe, we would so appreciate it. And you can do so at Apple Podcasts. You can email feedback and ideas to workplacepod at gmail.com. Voicemail information. If you would like to be heard on the show or even just leave us a voicemail not to be heard on the show, you can call us at 93-PRETS-DAY. That is 937-738-9329. You can find me on Twitter at ktlady623 or at facebook.com slash katie.white. And the best place to find me is at chadadada on Twitter. That is C-H-A-D-A-D-A-D-A. Also facebook.com slash chad.hopkins. My other podcast, Cinescope, you can find where podcasts can be found and at thecinescopepodcast.com. And show notes and contact information for this show can be found at workplacepodcast.com. We have a new Patreon subscriber, M. Thank you so much for your support and to all of our Patreon subscribers. And if you want to shout out and more of An American Workplace each week, including access to our discussion outline and notes, a logo sticker, bonus episodes, which are coming more very soon, and live streams, check out our Patreon page. Pick the support level that you think is worth it to you at patreon.com slash workplace pod. And that is all for this week. Thank you for joining us to watch one of our favorite shows, The Office, here on episode 79 of An American Workplace. Make sure to join us in episode 80 for our discussion on the next episode of season seven. Goodbye, Michael. Bye. Bye. Hey, Chad. Hey, Katie. Uh, this is Colin from Springfield, Missouri. Um, I just wanted to say that I think you guys are doing an awesome job. Um, I love your podcast. I've actually watched, <laughs> funny enough, I've watched The Office about 13 times all the way through, uh, which I know is probably a little ridiculous, but it is my favorite show absolutely 100% of all time. Um, so I love what you guys are doing. Um, yeah. So keep it up. Uh, it always makes me smile to, you know, listen to you guys recapping episodes and, and going over stuff and just re-watching it basically in my head uh, through what you guys do. So uh, keep up the good work, and I will continue to listen to your show. Hope you guys have a good one. Bye-bye. Well, I'm trying to think. This is the only Dundies we've seen since season two, right? Yeah. No. no. No, we've had one other. Yeah, they're okay. I'm probably gonna cut that out because there has had, been at least one. Let me see. It was when it wasn't called anything about the Dundies. Problem. Um, I do want to find that before we move on. Was it before or after Pam and Chip were together? Um, I don't know. Wait, were there just the two? I think there might be just the two. Dundies. Let me do a search. Surprise! Neither of us knows. Um, I think it's just the two. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Cool. Okay. Okay, I don't remember what brought that up. Like, I don't know what I was saying to say it was only the second one that we've seen. But, well, okay, you said it was, it, it feels like a really sad episode. Yeah. Just the title. The title is already. Um. Yeah. Yeah.